Howdy guys, I'm Aiden of Blue Catch Productions and welcome to the 46th ever episode of Aiden on Anchor, the show where I tell you about my life story as well as my journey with this cool little app called Anchor. Currently recording this on March 5th, 2020 at about 4.11 p.m. roughly. And uh, yeah, I got, t- I got two episodes to record today, uh, the final two episodes of March that you'll be hearing from this podcast. I like to typically have about a month or so buffer ahead. That way I have a lot more time to think about topics and such. And that way I don't have to spend a whole lot of my time worrying, oh, am I going to have enough for the podcast this week? Uh, We'll just have enough regardless because we'll just be ahead of the curve. So yeah, this will be a late March episode by the time you're hearing this, but I'm recording it in early March to get ahead. But uh, this topic is probably confusing as to why I chose it, Uh, but that's fine. We're going to talk about it anyway. Today we're going to talk about late night TV, late night television, if you will, and I'm talking about late night talk show hosts, your, uh, your David Littermans, your, your Jay Leno's, Conan O'Brien's, uh, James Corden, all those lovely people. We're going to talk about late night TV, uh, what's been going on in that scene and why I'm so invested in it currently. And on top of that, talk a little bit about how late night TV kind of influenced uh, about a whole generation of YouTubers in a lot of subtle ways. Um, so I'm interested in talking about all that sort of stuff. If you're not, that's cool, but I hope you're along for the ride regardless. So yeah, let's talk about late night TV. Uh, the idea of staying up late and watching television, uh, wasn't exactly this well-known thing because typically, uh, from what I've heard from my parents and grandparents, Typically, the TV would only be on until like 9 or 10 p.m., and then after that, they would just kind of like, oh shit, we ran out of programming, because they just assumed everybody was going to go to bed, so uh, in- instead of actually showing programming, here's like a here's like a, a video of the American flag and the national anthem, and then, and then the TV would go off for the day, and that would just be it, um, but as we came to find out, uh, a lot more people would watch TV late at night, and uh, companies and programming needed some ways to, to keep people up that long, because a lot of the a lot of the type of stuff that that started on late night TV wasn't exactly good. I'd say even today, there's very few good things to watch on late night TV that isn't just reruns of stuff. Um, so then they kind of got the idea of like, what if we kind of built a show, a late night TV show? with a comedian or uh, this kind of a personality running it. And typically there would be interviews, jokes, uh, skits, music, all that sort of stuff. And it'd be this big like production and they would happen every night, be this huge deal. Uh, and, and so that's what they did. Uh, they had a lot of these late night shows. One of the earliest people that uh, sort of made a mark in late night TV. And not only that, just kind of, made a huge impact on, on a majority of comedians that we know today was Johnny Carson. And I heard the name Johnny Carson for a long time, but never really knew what that came from exactly. And so I had to look into it. Like he, he pretty much is like the father of late night. Um, he had the tonight show for a while and he did it for 30 years. And I gotta say, if you do anything for 30 years, you automatically have my respect. 
when it comes to like entertainment, right? And when it comes to being funny and uh, likable for 30 years doing one specific thing, uh, that takes a lot of balls. That takes a lot of uh, resilience. It takes a lot of adaptation. Uh, and it takes it takes a lot of work, frankly, more than anything. So the fact that this guy, for 30 years, had that one job where he'd show up to the studio and then just kind of interviewed and did all these late-night things uh, is incredible to me. Um, I hope I can do some form of entertainment for 30 years, but I don't even know if I can do the same thing, to be honest. I don't even know if I got that willpower, if I even got that swagger about me half the time. Uh, but needless to say, Johnny Carson was pretty huge, pretty influential man in late night. A lot of comedians at the time that were up and coming, whether it was people like Jerry Seinfeld, Robin Williams, Eddie Murphy, uh, whoever. They weren't really like popular comedians until they went on Johnny Carson or other late night shows. That was just sort of like if you wanted to be introduced to the world, right? If you had a product coming out. If you were an important political figure, comedians, like I said earlier, you had to go through late night because that's where a lot of the conversation would be. And that's what a lot of people would talk about the next day. Oh, did you see that episode of Johnny Carson last night? That kind of stuff. And so from there, once Johnny kind of made this big splash in the format that we know today of uh, late night television... All of it sort of grew from there. We ended up getting people like the next generation, your Jay Leno's and your David Letterman's. We even started to see late, late shows. So you had the late night show, right? That was like nine or 10. And then you'd have these other shows that, that came on at 11 after the other one. And it got later and later and later. And you would have all these different people. And suddenly the field expanded so much because so many people were not only inspired by Johnny Carson, but also uh, really liked the format and had ideas of what to do with it. And there were just so many people, one of whom I didn't even know this until last night. Did you know George Lopez had a late night show? I didn't. Apparently he was on TBS before like Conan came or whatever. But uh, yeah, George Lopez had a late night show called Lopez Tonight. And it blew my mind because I pretty much at the time followed like everything George Lopez did with like the uh with the sitcom and his comedy stuff uh that was just the kid I was uh frankly I watched a lot of Nick at Night and watched a lot of reruns on there and even I had no idea that Lopez tonight was a thing uh, probably because it wasn't good but you get <laughs> you get the idea um and so these these guys kind of kind of made that tradition and and had their generation of late night and I think I started watching around this like Letterman, Leno kind of age toward the tail end of it because I really wasn't allowed to stay up late, right? And typically if I was staying up late, I wasn't watching late night shows. I was typically like the bad kid watching Adult Swim, but you get the idea. And uh, yeah, eventually they had their time in the sun and that kind of brings us to today's generation of late night TV. Your Jimmy Fallon's, Jimmy Kimmel's, your Conan O'Brien's. Uh, James Corden, Seth Meyers, all these people. And I, I would even extend it to people like John Oliver and Trevor Noah at The Daily Show and a lot of these things. And I know people now kind of have a bit of a resentment to late night shows, specifically if you're on YouTube, because a lot of the time um, YouTube favors these late night shows posting their episodes and clips on YouTube uh, and they don't have any of the restrictions that YouTubers have because they're a giant corporation. 
And so it seems like in, in recent years, when people talk about like traditional media trying to ruin YouTube, they very quickly point to a lot of these late night shows on here. Uh, Jimmy Fallon and Jimmy Kimmel fucking trend all the time, but the creators aren't actually trending. What's the deal with that? Like people get really mad at them. And uh, I don't necessarily blame a lot of these late night show hosts for moving their content to YouTube because eventually that's just sort of where the eyes and the audience is going to be. I think who I blame in that situation has more to do with YouTube and how they're algorithmically built and how they tend to prefer a lot of that older, safer material and don't really give a whole lot of options to creators. But you know me, I'm not the type of guy to complain. Ultimately, Jimmy Fallon posting his epic late night shenanigans on YouTube really doesn't affect me in any way whatsoever. Like I can still post the content I want and I can still get an audience for it. And you can too. So I wouldn't worry about it. Uh, but they, they've gotten a lot of flack over that. And, and part of it, I agree is substantial. Um, but the other part of it is like, it, it's allowed me to discover a lot of these other late night show hosts. And, uh, uh m- most of them aren't good. I, I really can't stand James Corden in particular. He, to me, is like the worst of all the late night shows. He's just annoying. He's loud. He's irritable. He's everything I hate in like humor and like mainstream popular humor. And every time I see him in films, uh, I'm reminded of, of the fact that I, I don't like James Corden at all. Um, except for in Cats, weirdly enough. I, mean, I think Cats was just so bad of a motion picture that he kind of fit right in on that one. So theory's out on why that worked, but, uh, yeah, um, James Corden, I can't stand, I don't like really either of the Jimmies, both of them are kind of milk toast and, and boring, and, uh, Jimmy Kimmel specifically said a lot of stupid stuff about, like, gaming and kind of, like, describing the whole culture as, like, basement-dwelling nerds, and to, you know, to a certain extent, uh, that has been the stereotype for a while, and stereotypes do, uh, have a little bit of truth in them, but uh, for the most part, we've kind of evolved from that. And Jimmy Kimmel has always kind of taken the opportunity to kind of like kick you while you're down sort of shit. Um, and then shoot, I, I would have to, it wouldn't be a late night conversation without talking about like how all these hosts have to bring up politics at every single corner. Um, Stephen Colbert is probably the worst of this where like pretty much everything he does in his late night show revolves around Donald Trump and his shenanigans. And, and let me be fair. Let me be clear. Uh, I don't like Trump. I don't like anything he's done. I didn't vote for him, etc. But uh, I come to late night and I come to watch these sort of shows to be entertained and to laugh and all that sort of stuff. The last thing I need is like more political humor reminding me of the shitty situation that we're in. And a lot, a lot, a lot of these late night shows really rely on that for their entire joke for <laughs> the whole runtime of the show. Uh, even the interviews, it seeps into the interviews too. And it's like, can we not talk about the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over again? And that's just what they do. And so a lot of them, I, I tend to avoid a lot of the more political ones. Because frankly, if I wanted stupid ass political opinions, I'd watch the news. All right. Heck, if I wanted humor on it, I'd just watch YouTube. You know, late night doesn't really offer anything for me on that. Uh, I'd say out of all the all the ones remaining and are still on TV, Conan is probably the best of them. And uh, I hadn't really watched a whole lot of them before this podcast, but I took a bit of time to like look into the man and you know kind of watch some of his interviews and stuff like that. And uh, really, just he seems probably out of the most of them the more humble guy of the bunch. And uh, he's just interesting. 
he's just an interesting man. He, he, he was talking about like how, how fame specifically uh, takes the gravity out of, out of humans, out of humanity. And I know that sounds weird, but he explained it uh, back during the space race. And this is all coming from Conan himself. So uh, let me just say that this is not my idea, right? He said this anyway. He was talking about how in the space race, uh, the U.S. beat the Russians to space, but the Russians decided, oh, okay, well, we'll stay there longer. Because, you know, they wanted a little bit of a victory as well. So they would keep their guys in space for a lot longer. And then when they came down, when their when their ship landed back on Earth, uh, they were jellyfish. Because, uh-oh, turns out that we need gravity in our life. And if we go extended periods of time without the gravity of our Earth, of our atmosphere... That turns out our bodies aren't going to like that very much. So we can't stay in space forever. We need a little bit of that gravity about us. So we're just kind of going to, you know, our body becomes like jellyfish. You know, we're not going to, we're not going to like that all that much. So then he compared fame to taking the gravity out of us. To taking uh, that down to earthness that we have. That kindness that we naturally have. And stripping that all away to the point where if you have too much fame akin to not having enough gravity, uh, you're not going to be a normal human being for a while. And so that's how he described it. Um, if you don't have enough gravity, you'll be a jellyfish. And if you have too much fame at a certain point, yeah, you won't act like a normal person anymore. And I thought that was just really, really cool. That was just really cool in general. Uh, another thing he said that really spoke to me a lot, watching a lot of his interviews, and this was like a, uh, like a Dartmouth, some college or something. He was doing like a commencement commencement like a dress or whatever uh and he joked through most of it and the humor was pretty good but at the end he mentioned how he had gave a similar speech back in 2000 and that how the moral of that speech was just literally uh don't be afraid to fail and he came back and he did the start mouth one in 2011 and he said i still do stand by that message but i think more importantly uh don't be afraid to change right like don't be afraid to fail, but keep in mind that failure will come. Disappointment will come. He just flat out openly says that like failure and disappointment is inevitable, it's coming, and that the dream that you've always had and the idea of who you're supposed to be as a human being is going to change constantly. And what you thought you might wanted to do with your life might actually be something completely different. And that resonated a lot with me because it feels like, especially if people my age, that we have to have everything figured out. We have to have a certain job and career and we have to do that for the rest of our lives. And there's no room for change there. And it can feel scary and the stress and the pressure can get onto you. But hearing someone like him say, don't worry, disappointment and failure are going to come and it's going to suck. But you're going to be able through that to realize and to change and, uh, and to explore the many opportunities of life. It kept everything very open and freeing to me. The, the idea that I might not be doing the same thing I'm doing now. And that's totally okay and awesome even. And the fact that I could potentially move on to other things and, and watch how my life takes these wild and wacky turns. That's expected. And that is the norm. Um, most people don't just stick to one thing forever. Uh, they, they try up different things all the time. And so that was another really good one I liked. And that just sort of became this bit of a appreciation I had toward him. And uh, yeah, I think out of all the late night people, Conan is, is probably the best of the bunch. And as I was watching all these late night 
shows and, and like getting clips and I was just suddenly interested in the subject. I can't really tell you why, but I started to notice that a lot of what I do on YouTube and a lot of what my close friends do on YouTube and how a lot of YouTube content is structured nowadays is almost kind of like a late night show in a lot of senses. Uh, it relies on one personality, one person, and they're in front of an audience, you know, not a live audience in YouTube's case, but you get the idea. And they have to entertain for roughly 30 minutes, <laughs> sometimes less, sometimes a little bit more, like a lot of late night shows. Typically, there's music and a backing band, or in our case, background music that we find online. Typically, humor is involved, uh, serious stuff as well. There's a bit of a discussion here. And it happens so consistently, aka like late night, um, that we have to make multiples of these shows over and over and over and over again. And just sort of that format and that idea of late night, uh, as I thought back to my own YouTube stuff, uh, there definitely is an influence of that in things like The Sploder Show. The Sploder Show pretty much is a late night daily show that I did where every day I would collect the news, I would do an interview, just like in late night, I would have my uh, opening monologue, <laughs> or in this case it was an ending monologue where I talked about my final thoughts, uh, I would even do reviews and other stuff like that, and I would have like recurring segments and stuff, and looking back on it now, it was very clear, like, I watched David Letterman and I watched a lot of late night shows as a kid, and it's very clear that the influences of that definitely leaked into the Sploder show, and in a sense, it definitely leaked into Back to the Video Games as well. And Back to the Video Games is a little different because it's weekly and it's not daily. But the idea of like me doing a show and having all the things that make a show good, most of that traces back to a late night show in one form or another. And I would say the same thing for uh, Zach and Your Everyday Nerd. Uh, the same thing for Pilot Season. Even Let's Plays, right? Like you do one game. Uh, a lot of the time almost daily and you do a whole lot of episodes of them and sometimes you have other people on and it's finding that balance and so I think in a lot of ways late night tv has kind of influenced at least in a format sense how content is created and I feel like a lot of the times that that people are doing the same things that late night shows do to try to improve their craft uh hiring a team working on your personality, uh, adding new sketches and bits, and trying to be consistent over a long period of time, trying to find that balance of how you're able to keep doing show after show after show and not get sick of it. Which is so strange now that, that we live in a world where it feels like late night is less and less relevant each and every day because of the fact that we have things like YouTube and Netflix and streaming services. Why would I go on TV and, and watch somebody talk about something late night at 11 p.m. only at a specific time when I can go on YouTube and get any of that kind of content immediately right now from funnier and more down-to-earth YouTubers. And so I think late night is kind of, uh, I watched the Eddie Burback video about this, and that's another really interesting video, but he kind of made the point to say like late night's in a weird spot right now. Um, it feels like YouTube is kind of taking a little bit of that market share uh, we don't know how long late night will be around, and uh, we're already kind of seeing that a lot of the late night people, like Conan, are starting a podcast, uh, Lily Singh, a YouTuber, is doing late night, like, a lot of the clips are getting uploaded to YouTube. There clearly is a bit of a shift happening, but we're kind of in the middle of that shift, and so Eddie Burback was just, like, saying, like, we don't know where late night's gonna be in a couple of years, we're just kind of in the middle of that transition phase, 
but I like to imagine with just the online content just sort of changing and ever evolving and stuff like that, that eventually late night, if it doesn't go 100% online, uh, it might just be a completely different thing altogether. Who knows? Who knows how it'll change? Um, but I'm wildly interested in a lot of these, uh, a lot of these people and late night show hosts. Uh, I'm trying myself to have a lot of the qualities that they have of like picking up on, on humor and comedy, figuring out the best way to interview people for my podcasts, like a lot of late night show hosts do. I just think there's a lot to learn and a lot to gain. I don't hear like a lot of YouTubers and people talk about that uh, because a lot of their inspirations are other YouTubers. But you got to think for those older YouTubers, who are their inspirations? You know, comedians, you know, people on TV, etc. I think there is a, a, a kind of a culture in YouTube right now where we are so against traditional media in every sense of the word that we have to turn it into this war, into this battle. It's me versus them. Uh, either traditional media goes down or YouTube goes down. So we have to fight tooth and nail to rag on these guys constantly and to uh, rag on traditional media outlets and all this sort of stuff. And like, I, I get the idea, I get the sentiment, but like, not only do I think it's a little much, honestly, I think it's a, it's a lot to deal with. And I don't know if all of it's warranted or not, but the other thing too, I think there's a lot to learn. I think there's great learning opportunities in, in looking toward acting and movie stars and TV personalities and hosts and sort of picking up on what worked for them really well and trying to implement that into your own content, into your own YouTube stuff, I think can be super beneficial. But nobody wants to look that way because we, we live in a specific like digital age where like we're very much in our own little YouTube bubble and very rarely do we uh, go outside that bubble for our influences and for the type of content that we want to make. It feels like a lot of the YouTube content is just like, well, people like drink videos, so do ranked videos. I'm guilty of this as well. People like this thing's the best thing ever. And where did that start on YouTube, right? Like very rarely do we go outside our little bubble to like figure out ideas and, and how to improve. And I think there's just a lot to learn there when it comes to late night stuff. So yeah, um, I'm still very interested in the subject. I'm probably going to look into it a little bit more. I don't know if I'm going to make a video about it or not, but this was kind of one of those like late night rabbit holes that I really enjoyed digging into. And I hope you guys enjoyed listening to it. This is probably where we're going to stop for today's episode. I don't really have much more to add, but uh, yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. This is a weirder one. I understand this might not be like a very popular episode of Aiden on Anchor, but if you're interested in me, what I'm interested in, well, there you go. I talked about it. Right, and I'm trying to get more personal on here anyway, so this will work out anyway. It's like when I talked about HGTV, it's the same thing. But if you enjoyed this episode of Aiden on Anchor, uh, check out all the links in the description below to all my different projects. You can follow me on YouTube and Twitter and Twitch and all these crazy internet platforms. And if you want to donate to the podcast, you most certainly can. Uh, you can do it on Anchor via the support button, or if you want to donate via my Patreon, like a good old Parker of Karen Knight Gaming, uh, you can do that as well. And that'd be really nice. So yeah, uh, that'll do it for this episode of Aiden on Anchor. I've been your host, Aiden Matthews of Blue Couch Productions, and I am signing off. Bye-bye.